Welcome to God's Acre On The Go, a worship podcast of the Congregational Church of New Canaan in New Canaan, Connecticut. To learn about the life of our church, our in-person ministries, and the virtual connections and offerings available, please visit us at www.godsacre.org. Now, wherever you are, wherever you are going, we welcome you to worship. Church family, good morning. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to God's Acre on the go, wherever you happen to be, wherever you're traveling. We're so grateful to have you tuning in. And I've got a special treat for you today. Uh, I had the pleasure, the honor of being a part of the Martin Luther King Jr. uh, service this past Monday at the Methodist Church in New Canaan, and the Reverend David Anthony Gilmore preached, and he preached what I thought was a spectacular sermon. And so uh, with permission of the Methodist Church, I'm going to offer David's uh, sermon here here for you uh, to enjoy. Uh, So prepare your hearts for the word that is offered as uh, we listen to our anthem, Precious Lord, Lead Me Home. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, help me stand. Reverend David Anthony Gilmore. 
am I supposed to follow that? Uh, before I get started, let me go ahead and make sure I do this just in case my bishop in Missouri is watching. Uh, I greet you in the name of Jesus and bring you salutations from our resident bishop in the great state of Missouri, Robert Farr, the cabinet and conference staff of that wonderful annual conference. Uh, I've got that out of the way, now I can go ahead and... A uh, little bit about me before I get started. I am the son and great-grandson of Methodist circuit riders. My father was an ordained elder who was actually ordained in this conference um, up here, but then went down to Kansas City. Um, and uh, the last year of his life, we served four miles apart, which I consider to be one of the greatest joys of my life. Uh, my great-grandfather actually rode on horseback um, in the state of Louisiana, um, preaching the good news. And so if you hear me say ain't or uh, y'all know where I'm going. Uh, if you hear me dangle a participle or split a verb or use a double negative in a sentence, it's not that I do not have any sort of educational background. It's just that, that those Louisiana roots come out sometimes. And so just bear with me and move past that. Uh, I am also, as, as uh, my friend Matt said, the, uh, I served my country mostly honorably for 20 years and 15 days in the United States Navy. I say mostly honorably because I was a sailor. He talked about the trouble. And um, uh, so, so out of that, I, I gained a great appreciation for all things that are decent and in order. I promise I will not uh, be up here long. And I have to say to all of my clergy colleagues, I get nervous when I hear preachers say, I won't keep you long. <laughs> but I won't keep you long. And, 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 <laughs> but also out of that, I gained a, uh, also a knowledge of self in that I did not realize that I have a somewhat quirky sense of humor. So if I say something that amuses me, y'all don't have to laugh. I'll laugh for all of us. Uh, but I also want to make sure that uh, I want to make sure everybody knows I'm not afraid of an amen. I'm not afraid of a get it preacher. I'm not afraid of any of that. As a matter of fact, it's like. Uh, kind of saying sick him to a dog. So y'all uh, ride with me a little bit. I'm going to go ahead and pray, read a little scripture, and then we'll get started. How about that? All right. Oh, God, I give you thanks for place and space. I thank you for one more opportunity to proclaim your word. And on this day, I would ask that you would save me from me. Save me. Use me, O oh Lord, in thy service. This is my prayer. Amen. So, uh... The scripture that I'm going to speak from today is found in the book of Isaiah, the second chapter, and I'm reading the first five verses, and I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. The word of Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that, he, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. 
O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The Lord always has a blessing to the reading, hearing, and doing of God's holy word. Amen? Amen. I'd like to spend just a few moments today asking the question, what if? What if? In my humble opinion, one of the most powerful, provocative, empowering, and slightly frightening concepts in the English language emanates from the phrase or the question, what if? What if? What if is a question that turns heads, hearts, and sometimes stomachs. What if is a question that upsets what was and provides an introduction to what might be. What if is an idea that pushes away how things used to be and makes way for how things just might be. What if? What if is a Christian movie that starred Kevin Sorbo, some of you may remember Hercules. Y'all remember Hercules? I just want to make sure I'm not the only one. I see some young folk in here. What if is an innovative public relations think tank in, in Russia? What if is a versatile molecular modeling package in England? What if is even a foundation intended to feed and educate impoverished children in Port-au-Prince, Haiti? However, what if is also a paradigm-shifting, world-changing, soul-shaping question that forces the speaker and the hearer to consider something else, something different, something maybe even better than what was or what is. Here are some examples of what if. What if knock them out was a shout of victory over mental illness? and not a scene from Gladiator on the floor of the House of Representatives. What if, what if our best and brightest young people desire to teach and the public school system in any major city was the model which private schools strove to emulate? What if? What if war was a card game that did not entail the taking or loss of human life? What if? What if a job in a fast food restaurant or eatery was a beginning and not an end for our young people? What if? What if the opportunity to attend college was something that was expected rather than something that was hoped for? What if? What if people were paid an honest wage for an honest day of labor? What if? What if the election of a president of the United States united rather than divided a country? What if? What if? What if? On this weekend, on this day when we remember the lessons and the life of the late Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., we have a what if word from God. And it's for all of us to paraphrase Dr. King. We had better learn to live together as sisters and brothers or perish together as fools. We need hope and real hope is in believing that our past has not determined our future God has. Our mistakes of yesterday do not determine our destination of tomorrow. God does. The world's judgment does not define us. 
God's grace has and will. If we choose to believe Dr. King's assertion that faith is taking the first step even when we don't see the whole staircase, then today, right now, in this moment, we need to seek an alternative reality, a, a different truth, a, a, a what-if word from on high. In these first five verses in this second chapter of, of Isaiah, there seems to fall in an odd place in the flow of the text. I, I, I'm getting ready to show y'all I actually went to school. You see, the first part of Isaiah, indeed the first 39 or 40 chapters of Isaiah, seem to be centered on divine judgment against a rebellious, stiff-necked, hard-hearted people of God. When we take a brief glance at the first chapter of the book, we hear the Lord, by way of Isaiah, refer to the peoples of God as rebellious and sinful and evil and corrupt and sick and even, oh my, whorish. Unlike the enlightened, faithful, obedient people of today, the people of God back then had it bad, y'all. These are some people who have messed up over and over and over again and every single time fallen a little further away from what God and who God and where God wanted them to be. These are some people who have turned away and, and fallen away from the Lord. And every single time a prophet begins to speak a judgmental, what thus saith the Lord, uh, they start to cry out in forgiveness. And the Lord, who's always faithful, I said the Lord is always faithful, and ever-loving relents from the judgment that has been promised. Now, 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 divine judgment is imminent. The Lord's going to remove the divine hedge of protection from around the peoples of God, and they are going to lose a portion of their divine inheritance, which was promised, you Bible scholars, to their patriarch, Abraham. You know that, that little thing about the land being theirs for as far as they could see and walk to inhabit. Yet in the face of what might be seen as a catastrophic loss, the Lord makes an amazing promise to the people. I feel a what-if moment getting ready to come on me. In the face of loss, the loss of people and land and resources, the Lord is about to bring about an unimaginable gain. Let me try to say this a, a different way. What might be seen as tragic, the Lord is going in the end make triumphant. Mm -hmm. They, the people of God, are going to be judged, but that judgment is not the end. No, the divine judgment of God is intended to add by subtraction. That went by somebody. <laughs> the divine judgment of God is meant to, to prune, rather, in order to make room for new growth. The, the, the divine judgment of God is designed to prepare the people of God to do the work of God on behalf of God's people. These people aren't going to be blessed or saved for themselves. They're going to be blessed or saved for someone else. What if, friends, what if we, the peoples of God, lived as a triumphant rather than tragic people? What if we, the people of God, rode out our storms as those being prepared for something greater? 
What if we, the people of God, face the trials and tribulations of life, hopefully expecting deliverance and restoration to right relationship with our God? What if? What if? I'm going to come back to this divine judgment in, in, in a couple of minutes, but now we need to move down to the divine promise that the mountain of the Lord or the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established and establish the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. In my study of this mountain, I discovered some interesting information, not necessarily trivial pursuit worthy, but it's interesting nonetheless. The mountain of the Lord's house is located in Zion or, or Jerusalem, and, and this location is physically below the height of the countryside surrounding her. It's kind of like New Orleans, below the level of the river. This place is not impressive like a Tyre or a Samaria, the Mount of Olives, or even the Canaanite shrines. Canaanite? In, the, in northern Israel, this is a physically unimpressive place whose size and location might lead the casual observer to classify uh, this location or this mountain as insignificant. Insignificant. Yet from this unimpressive, insignificant place, we hear a promise that all of the nations shall stream to it. From this no-account place that has suffered much loss, we hear the promises that many people shall come and say, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his path. Now, could it be that there's something else going on in the house of the Lord that goes beyond the physical? Could it be that there's something about the people of God in the house of God that separates them from the norms of the world? I feel another what if moment coming on what if we the peoples of God mirrored the invitational love of a loving and invitational God what if what if we the peoples of God actually lived our lives like we knew and lived and loved our God what if what if we, the peoples of God, were authentic in our embodiment of God's word, you know, actually walking our talk? What if? What if we were not so caught up in dogma or denominational creeds? You know, God is not a Methodist or Baptist or Catholic. You know that, right? I just want to make sure I threw that out there. But what if we actually move beyond dogma and denominational creeds and, and personal agenda, but rather lived as a people striving for truth and oneness with our God? What if? What if we Christians and Muslims and Jews and Hindus and Shiites actually modeled what was taught and modeled by ones we claim to follow? What if? What are we who are believers teaching to those who are seeking relevance and purpose, I wonder? Do our deeds and our attitudes match our words, or are we talking out the side of our neck? That's something that we used to say when I was a kid, sorry. <laughs> are we speaking unconditional love and practicing unconditional hate? 
Are we speaking welcome home while perfecting our practice of screening and filtering so only the right ones know where home is? Are we meeting and loving our sisters and brothers right where they are, out there, or are we playing God and judging who's worthy of our grace and mercy? What if, friends? What if? What if we, the peoples of God, allowed ourselves to become that beacon of hope to which all others streamed? What if we, the peoples of God, lived authentic, faith-filled lives who love unconditionally? What if? I don't know about anybody else, but I believe that if we believers lived authentically believable lives, folks would be beating down the doors to every house of worship in this city and every city around the United States, around the world. I believe that if we were living authentically believable lives, that we would be a place that enlightens and empowers and uplifts. I believe that if we believers lived authentically believable lives, that uh, loving with no strings attached, that we might transition from something that sounds good to something that is good. What if? What if? There's one other area I've been led to investigate in our quest for the what if, and that is war. I don't mean to offend anyone. I've actually been in some armed conflicts, and I can tell you now, there's nothing glorious about it. But, but, but war or the act of violence or violations against our sisters and brothers. The text speaks to the nations of beating their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. This is an awe-inspiring act of recycling that would put anyone trying to live a green life to shame. However, something else came to me that needs to be shared. Dr. King once said, people fail to get along because they fear each other. And they fear each other because they don't know each other. And they don't know each other because they have not communicated with each other. So please allow me to communicate a personal belief. I believe that peace or the spirit of peace begins at home. Whether home is our our individual heart or in our places of worship or even in our residences, peace is a divine gift that begins at home home and spreads out to the world. I believe that much of the violence and violations that we witness are a result of an acquired attitude or practice often originating from home, from home. What I mean is that many of our young people who are pulling triggers learn to pull a trigger watching or listening to someone in or near our home. Many of our most fearsome young people were taught at a fearsomely young age that they were not an adult, that they were not an adult unless they were feared, not respected, but feared. Many of us learned to visit violence on others because violent violence was or is visited upon us. Many of us learned to violate others because we have been or still are being violated. But what if? We taught peace instead of war. What if we taught talking it out instead of duking it out or shooting it out? What if we showed our children how to hug instead of how to hit? What if we taught our children how to bless instead of how to curse? What if we taught our children how to forgive instead of how to retaliate? What if? 
We taught our children that a human life is more precious than a hard stare or a dollar or a barrel of oil or a pair of Jordans. What if? What if? Now, before I turn loose this what if, there's one last thing I need to bring out, and I'm almost done. I won't keep you long. <laughs> but earlier, I spoke about divine judgment. However, even in the face of judgment, what we also hear is divine grace. I, I mean, the Lord does not hold on to the mistakes of yesterday, but rather offers a hope-filled promise of tomorrow to the peoples of God. Uh, a hope-filled promise of tomorrow. For one, uh, believe, I believe must, uh, believe, must learn to forgive each other and ourselves. I said, we cannot have a hope-filled promise of tomorrow if we cannot forgive ourselves for yesterday. That went by someone. Uh, it, for it is in the act of forgiveness that we experience this epiphanous moment where we know that what, what we used to be and where we used to be, come on, y'all, and how we used to be are no longer, and true transformation in that moment does take place. I'm trying not to shout right now. I'm talking about giving thanks for the mistakes of yesterday and knowing that, yes, we may have messed up yesterday, but we have been forgiven. We have been forgiven. The hurts of yesterday have been forgiven. The pains of yesterday have been forgiven. The slip-ups of yesterday have been forgiven. And hey, what if we actually lived like we were a forgiven people redeemed by the blood? What if we actually lived like, yes, we have hope for tomorrow? What if? What if? What if we are living proof that God has moved things? God has moved mountains. God has lifted up valleys in our life. What if? And then, and then when we get to that point, our what if will transition into a what is, into a what is. May it be so. May it be so, and to all I offer, shalom and amen. Thank you for joining us for Worship on the Go. To support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please consider making a contribution by clicking the Give button in the top right on our website, www.godsacre.org, or within today's email. God bless you, and have a wonderful week.